0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our Sermon Cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, I don't know about y'all, but any of y'all golfers in here? Nobody? Okay, I got one. All right. Anybody ever play putt-putt? All right, here we go. Now we can relate. All right, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Sometimes in Scripture, when you're preaching through passages... Sometimes, you you know, you get a bad hit, you want a mulligan, you want to do-over. But sometimes, you just got to play the ball where it lies. And that's the way we are in Scripture today. As we are going through the parables of Jesus, we see the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I thought, oh great, this is going to be a good one this morning. We're going to talk about racism. We're going to talk about religion and politics. No problem, right? Well, I promise you, this is not an endorsement of Anything, anyone in government, and this is only what Jesus is talking about. But folks, I'll tell you what, when the Bible is clear on things, we do not need to shy away from this. And if there is anything that I say that is my personal opinion, you have a right to get mad with me, red face, leave and call me names and tell everybody that whatever. But if your problem is with Scripture, you got a bigger problem. All right. So I'm just going to like in putt putt or in golf. I'm just going to play it where it lays. All right. So with that said. You can agree with me probably as we approach our passage for today, I knew it would bring up some of the most divisive subjects that are out there today. However, this does not mean that Jesus is silent about these things. Matter of fact, Jesus addressed these topics that we're going to talk about, and he did that in even more in this parable. So through the topics that we address in this passage, although they are divisive, the lesson that Jesus is teaching here will bring everyone together. Is there any doubt that we are in a nation now that is more divided than it's ever been? I mean, it's united, but it's united and you've got this crew over here that's united. This crew over here that's united. And so as we approach this, we need to see that Jesus was not a politician, was he? And uh, he was not part of any religious system of that day. Uh, he was a Jewish man, but he was also divine. He was God himself, God incarnate. So Jesus taught the Word of God. How did Jesus teach the Word of God? He taught by giving people lessons. He taught about everything that the Old Testament had said and how he was going to fulfill that. But also, he showed it in the most important way, in the way that he lived his life. He lived it out. How did he do that? He lived He lived like you and me. Jesus knows what it's like to sweat. Jesus knows what it's like to have his heart broken. Jesus knows the pain of hitting his thumb with a hammer. I always wonder what he'd say (laughs) when that happened. But he felt pain. Hey, teenagers, guess what? Jesus went through puberty. Yeah, he did all of that stuff. He was as real as it gets. So he can identify with you. And so he lived. Not only did he live, he suffered and he died and he resurrected so that you and I could more fully experience him and understand the application of God's word in our lives. Why is the resurrection so important? I'm doing a funeral today, this afternoon. Why is the resurrection of Jesus important? It's because he modeled what we are going to do. Amen. Y'all not excited about that? Okay, two of you. Everybody else, hold on. But the thing is, is that you and I both know that the quickest way to turn a conversation or a relationship sour is to talk about your opinions on race, religion, and politics. And I can assure you that we are not going to discuss the Mueller hearings in this sermon today. And I can guarantee you that we're not going to be quoting any of President Trump's Tweets. We're not going to be on the left. We're not going to be on the right. We're not going to be in the squad. We're not going to be against the squad and all these other terms that they have going on right now. What we will do, there's no Democrats or Republicans in this passage. What we're going to do is you will see clearly in this parable how Jesus addresses these principles. So, enough with the introduction. Buckle your few belts and let's get started. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and before we get into the the meat of it, you'll see in in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, the first half of it. That's why you see the little A there beside it. Sometimes they'll divide a verse by letters for the different portions of it. But look, look at it. When you read the Bible and it says in verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. My question when I saw that text is what? What was he replying to? And so to know that, we go back. Because Jesus was teaching when he was challenged by a religious leader who was trying to trap Jesus with a question. He asked Jesus this question. He said, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Do you think that Jewish leader really intended on knowing the answer to that question? Absolutely not. He was trying to get Jesus to name the one law that was the most important So by Jesus saying that that one law is the most important, he could go back to his buddies and say, Jesus said all of these don't matter. And then they could have got him. It was a trip, a trap. And so we see in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? By Jesus saying that, he is putting the ball back into this uh, legal person's court. He says, what do your own writings say about it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. We would That would be what we call in the ministry a church answer. It's like if I ask you a question or these uh, adults will be teaching Vacation Bible School kids. And I guarantee you, they can say... What is really long and has a fluffy tail, and it stores nuts for the winter, and it's gray, and it can jump from tree to tree. Those kids are going to say, you know what? It sounds a lot like a squirrel, but I know the answer's got to be Jesus. Because everybody wants to do the church answer. That's what this religious leader was doing. But Jesus told him, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So now you got the backstory. that's why we're here, so now we're jumping in. So here we go. Regardless of where you fall today, on race, religion, or your political bandwagon, we are going to hear Jesus teach us to love our neighbors as yourself. And so, here's the question I have for you, just to kind of percolate in your mind today. How do you view your neighbor and how do you treat them? How do you view your neighbor and how do you treat them? I know what you're going to say, but I wonder what your neighbor would say. We're all in church. We look good today, like I said earlier. I wonder what my neighbors would say about that, what your neighbors would say about that. So the first thing we see in verse 30 is that our neighbor is one who is in need. Our neighbor is one who is in need. We see that Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. One thing that we can see from this is that we all walk a treacherous path. We all walk a treacherous path, because when it says in the Scripture that he went down to Jericho... You see, Jerusalem, the sea level was way up here. Jericho was way down here. So not only was he going down to Jericho, he was actually literally going down to Jericho. And the thing is, that road had plenty of places for robbers to hide. And predominantly Jewish men would be walking down that street. And so it would be easy pickings for for robbers to rob somebody. They can take advantage of them really easy. And folks, as we go down the walk of life, there are predators. There are people that are looking for you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have an enemy. First Peter says that we have an enemy that is seeking to devour us. It's called the devil. We, have, If you have got resistance in your life, I guarantee you a portion of that is a spiritual attack if you are a believer. But... We all walk a treacherous path. And so let me ask you something. If I see a brother or sister that's walking down the same path I am, it just may mean that they're the ones that got robbed. They're the ones that got sacked. i tell you what, we all look at the news and we read the news. We see the news and we make our opinions. But when it happens to us or someone we love, it's a different story, isn't it? It becomes real. Well, see, the world seeks to strip us of our value. It says in here that the, the robbers, the bandits, they stole the men's clothing. Did you know back in that day, clothing was very valuable? I mean, that was really, you, you what you owned, really, you wore on your back. I remember back in the 80s when they had Air Jordans. you remember those Air Jordans? Some of you, two of you do. They were hot tops, and they were black, and they were red, and they were awesome. But they cost like... A hundred and fifty dollars for them. Folks, there were kids getting beat and shot for shoes. Literally. So don't act like this is just some biblical passage that would never happen. There are people that get hurt for the clothes that are on their back, for everything that they have. And so once what we see here, the bandits robbed this guy and took him away. There's a good lesson we can see here. The world will rob you, and when it's done with you, it will leave you for dead. The world has places no value on you. All it wants is to get what it can get out of you. That is the world that we live in. Well, the Jewish man here was left for dead, which leads us to our second point. Religion and politics can lose sight of compassion for others. Religion and politics can lose sight of compassion for others. It says in verse 31, By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the side of the road and passed him by. And then it says, A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed by the other side. So here you have two religious figures that are walking down from Jerusalem that just got off of work in the temple. And they're walking down. They've worked all, I don't know what kind of schedule they have, but they they were tired. And so here they go. They're walking down. And they're as religious as they come. And they see this man in the middle of the road. And one goes. The other one. That would be like us getting out from church and then fussing because somebody cut us off in the buffet line. Somebody may do it. I don't know i tell you what, I mean, you tell a true believer in the food line and at a concert with Saving Seats. Oh, the seat's saved. I didn't know it was lost. You know, what I'm talking about, they, they, will, have a, they will have a handkerchief. If we used to go on youth concerts, and these Bibles that these kids would hardly ever read made great seat savers. You know, I didn't know they were so spiritual until they had all their Bibles holding the seats. But anyway, another story for another time. These priests and this temple assistant came along. So let's look at the priest and the temple assistant. Let's look at their politics. Their politics, their activities, are associated with the way they govern. And they governed through the temple. The temple had much more say-so in Jerusalem back in those days than many churches have today. And so the priest and the temple assistant saw this desolate, abused Jewish man. And they still walked around him. Here's the thing that you may not pick up. What was, what was the race of the man that was beat up? Look at your Bibles. Uh-uh. Look, at, look again. What was the race of the man that was beaten up? He was a Jewish man. Do you get the significance? They stepped over their own. They didn't even value their own because they were too concerned about themselves. The priest and the temple assistants saw this man and they still walked around him. Now, the temple assistant walked and looked at him, but he saw what happened to the man. And so what he saw was, and check this out, this may be an aha moment or just may be another moment. That temple assistant saw that man he didn't see the value of that man. He saw him. He put value on his surroundings and his situation. Be very careful, my friends, to not look at the plight of people. When it comes to your politics and when it comes to your beliefs, look, I, I know we've got some CNNers in here. We've got some Fox Newsers. We've got some fake Newsers. And we got some no-newsers, we got some snoozers, we got them all. Look, I'm not going to tell you what you should or should not do as far as how you vote or what party you affiliate with, but I'm going to tell you what. When we stop looking at the people and start looking at their situations and make their situations more important than the people themselves, we have lost the meaning of who our neighbor is. If your politics look at the plight of the person or the power that they give you, rather than the person themselves, you are just as guilty. Now here we go. I'm going to meddle for a minute. What do you think it looks like when a bunch of self-righteous Christians are out at the favorite buffet, the second time I said buffet in the same sermon, and start making everybody hungry. I must be hungry. I don't know. But you got your good old first righteous church Christians sitting there, And somebody brings up, what do y'all think about building the wall? And then all of a sudden, in a great concert, this huge group of self-righteous Christians talk about, yeah, we ought to send them back. Look, if you believe we need to build a wall, that's great. If you don't believe we need to build a wall, that's great too. I'm not telling you to build the wall or not build the wall. But I'm telling you, if you put more emphasis on the wall than the people, then you have lost it. I am all for protecting our nation. I do believe that there needs to be things set in place. If someone wants to come into our nation, there has to have vetting. They have to have all the right procedures. And we've got that in place. Is it broken? Yes. But I'm tired of seeing people on both sides use these people as pawns for their political agenda and sound bites. And the church doesn't need to join in. I know what some of you think, oh preacher? What if they came in your yard? Maybe they needed help. I'm not saying that I'm a bleeding heart here. But I'm telling you this, is that if we are known for how we hate people, we are not doing what Jesus is calling us to do. I don't want to see thousands of people come across our border and just plow over everybody and take over. I don't understand that. But why don't we encourage our politicians by the way we vote and the way we fund and the way we talk to do it the right way instead of doing it for political gain. So enough of that. Oh, yeah. Race, too. Is the color of a person's skin more important than the person themselves? No. No. You realize we are all shade of one color, right? You realize the same blood goes through our veins. Yes, God has fearfully and wonderfully made us, but we have no business looking down upon somebody because of the color of their skin or the way they talk or their surroundings or or what they've been brought up in. Because if we look at the color of their skin and not the person, we are no better than than the temple Levite that Jesus is talking about here. Let me ask you, are your political views more important to you than the people they represent? I guarantee you, when you stand before the Lamb and before, the, for, before God, and he opens up the Lamb's Book of Life, he says, hmm, Ah, uh, Republican, come on in. Oh, Democrat, you, you stand over there. Independent, wait there just a minute. He doesn't do that. It's not about our political affiliation. It's about what have we done with Jesus. It's about how we act towards other people. According to Jewish tradition, the reason that they stepped to the side is that their religion told them if their shadow so much as touches a body that is thought to be dead, then they are defiled themselves. These guys didn't want to go through the cleansing process. They didn't want to be bothered with that man's situation, so they sidestepped him. Folks, if your religious values restrict you from helping those in need, you are not a follower of Christ or His gospel. You are following something else that is man-made. Religion, it brings attention to ourselves and our works at the expense of other people. That's one thing I love about Home and Park. And I love about home, our church is that uh, we are, we are very meager. A lot of the stuff that we have has been here for years. I understand that. But we're not defined by our chandeliers or our stained glass windows or our whatever. I hope that we're defined by the way that we treat people, the way that we value people, and the way that we treat our neighbor because our neighbor is everyone from the crack attic walking the street to the richest person in Home Park. Jesus loves them all. The third point we see is there is no room for racism in righteous living. It says in verses 33 through 35, Then a despised Samaritan came along. I hear the, the music. Dun, dun, dun. The despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I want you to understand this. Racism has been around forever. And Jesus was using the topic of racism, to get at this religious leader. That's the whole reason he used the Samaritan as the hero of the story, because to Jews, Samaritans were trash. Matter of fact, they thought that they were half-breeds. Why were they half-breeds? Because what happened is some of the Jews went off and they married other nationalities, other people groups, so it, I guess they thought kind of uh, made their bloodline more impure. So Jews hated Samaritans. We don't have that kind of hate today, do we? I told myself I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes I need to listen to myself. And Donna will tell me if I should have listened to myself later. But I'll, I'll never forget talking about racism. I was in college and... Uh, I was in a group with the college I was in that we would go different places and sing. And so we got to play at the South Carolina Baptist Convention's Pastors Conference. And now, just to let you know, pastors' conferences, pastors love them because they can go here preaching, they can go here singing, and they can let loose, and nobody cares because all these other pastors have wanted to let loose. They can't let loose, and so now they're all letting loose together because there's no church members there judging them. So they're having a blast. They're, they're getting Bapakastal and everything else. But I'll never forget, we, we had a gentleman that uh, was in our choir, or our choir, our, our ensemble, that, uh you ever heard the song, I Bowed on My Knees and Cried Holy? Oh my goodness. He'll sing that thing? Tears will just, <laughs> I mean, I must have heard him sing it a million times and every time. I never got tired of it. So here we are. We're setting up in front of all these preachers from all over South Carolina. And I kid you not, I say this word for word. This guy comes up to me and says, Hey, that color fella going to sing that song? Yeah. I'm like, I'm in a pastor's conference filled with pastors, and still we have people that have that mindset. I've got news for you. If we go to the middle of the state, you'll still find that. Uh, if you go down some of the streets of Anderson and Iva and everywhere, Williamston and all these other places, you will still find that. That has no room in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all shades of one color. So do not let racial biases blind you from seeing the value of someone in need. Lastly, we see that righteous living is demonstrated by showing mercy to our neighbor. It says in verse 36, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who, attacked, who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked the man and replied, Of course, the one who showed him mercy. He was very proud of his answer because he got the right answer. But then Jesus turned the tables on him. He said, you know what? You're right. Now you go do the same. I bet he went. He wanted to know the answer, but he didn't want to do what it says. Jesus was not impressed with the religiosity of this priest. The religious leaders were defined not for what they did for people, but just what they did for the law. And Jesus was not impressed with their titles. He was not impressed with their religious actions. I got news for you. Look, I again, I am so glad that you're here. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what: church attendance. If you pray publicly, if you can praise and lift your hands and sing every chorus of every Hillsong song, I'm happy for you. You can do all of those things. That's great. You can be on a committee. You can be a deacon. You can be even a minister. You can be all of these things. And you can have perfect attendance in church. But if you do not show mercy to your neighbor, you have lost it. It's not about what we do, it's about how we treat our neighbor, is what Jesus is telling us. So if your walk with Jesus prevents you from reaching out to your neighbor, my friend, you have a religion. With Jesus, not a relationship. Did you notice that the religious experts Jesus was talking to could not even bring themselves to say when he answered the question, the Samaritan? He couldn't even say the word of the Samaritan. The religious leader knew the law was to love your neighbor as yourself, but he could not bring himself to do it. One may read this passage and think only of the high cost. Of caring for our neighbor, somebody could literally see this and say, "Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe they were scared. Maybe they were fearful. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had to be somewhere. Maybe they had." To, and, and you can, what if all of these situations? And you think, man, that, that would have cost them too much time or too much money to do what the Samaritan did. You know what it did cost them? It cost them an opportunity to show that their religion was based on Jesus and not a bunch of actions. It cost them the ability to have a testimony to others that saw them do that. It cost them in the sense that now when the story is told, they are seen as the bad example rather than the good example. So you may think when you choose not to help somebody that God puts in your path, that it's going to cost you too much to do it. It's going to cost you more if you don't the despised Samaritans, his one act of helping this Jewish man that was beaten up is praised and used, as, used in his example of righteous living to this day. So I'll close with this. Can you see yourself in this parable? Can you see yourself in this parable? We can see ourselves in the different people who encountered the hurting man. I mean, look at the legal experts. The man was a topic of religious discussion for them. But to the robbers, he was a man to exploit. And to the priest, he was a problem to avoid. For the temple assistant, he was somebody that could pique his curiosity. It says that he went over and just looked at him and walked away. But to the Samaritan, it was somebody to show love to. So helping others takes physical actions. Sometimes it means getting dirty, and it may even cost us something. But folks, bigotry has no place in Christianity. It's easy to justify a lack of love, but still, it's not right. So who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is anyone, regardless of color, race, or creed, that are in need. Jesus is telling you and telling me today, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you were that man on the road that was hurting and bleeding and naked and in need of hope. And Jesus came to you and soothed your needs, healed your wounds, and helped you to live another day and paid the price for your life. If Jesus did that for you, why can't you do that for somebody else?